This is a Two Peas special edition. gentlemen hello world welcome to two peas on a podcast but this is not a normal episode this is a special edition that i get very very excited for every year this is the fourth year that we have done this the first couple of years and i mentioned this last year it wasn't quite as organized it wasn't quite as serious it was more just me and my ex-co-host andy just kind of naming our favorite things about the previous year in film and music and things like that but in the last couple of years i've really gotten into award season big big time and I've kind of come up with my own movie awards that kind of mirror a lot of that stuff in a way but also it's very unique because the nominees are not only or I'm sorry the winners are not only chosen by the social media community and our listeners but so are the nominees Uh, I poll several people in the film community on Twitter on Facebook and we kind of collectively come up with a ballot and then obviously people vote and that's all of our listeners and we put it out on Twitter And we got, again, about 200 votes this year, a little bit more than 200 votes. My wife is the only one that knows the winners. But we're going to be giving out our awards, and I have a special guest to come co-host with me. He was here last year to do it for the third annual Golden Pea Movie Awards, and he's back this year. There's no one else I'd rather have with me as my co-host. And not only that, he's the god of podcasting, so I don't think I would have even had permission to do this without without him. Brian Loisos, what's up, man? How are you? Welcome back to the Peace. Finally, it's been a while. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's an honor, as usual. To be honest, the Golden Peas is the only movie award show that I care about anymore. So. <laughs> you mentioned that last year, and I was going back and uh, doing some homework and listening to some of uh, you know snippets from that episode that you and I did last year. I thought it went really well, and and the voting went really well, and our conversation was great. I thought. And we started that episode off with, how was the year in film for you? Now, in a normal year, Brian, you said, you know, every year's great. You know, I get asked this all the time, and every year's a great year for film. And I tend to agree with you. However, COVID, right? Coronavirus. COVID-19 kind of threw everything in, or in the world, really, but definitely in the movie-watching community into a, a frenzy. So what was 2020 like for you, man? I mean, if you had to grade it, if you had to talk about the movies, which, I mean, you work in a theater, it, it had to be tough, right? So what was the year like for you overall? Uh, well, COVID kind of changed the way we all watch movies. And uh, that was the same for me too. It taught me a lot of things about myself. It definitely made me appreciate you know, what I had and what I was given in terms of movies throughout the year. But it also made me realize that I don't have patience for certain movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't necessarily have to watch every movie that comes out. I have to be honest with you, a lot of these movies 
that we're going to be talking about this evening, I haven't seen. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, but 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 uh, you got to give me a break a little bit because I watch move. I watch more movies than I feel like most people. But, okay. But I still feel like I missed so many things this year. Did you see the I, Academy Award nominations that came out? Did you see that? By chance? I sure did. Yeah, I sure did. COVID aside, and you know, like you said, we have to stream them. You can be a little more selective, which is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> and what you're yeah. gonna, what you're going to pay for, what you're going to spend money on. What you th- What'd you think of the year overall? Like, if you had to give it a grade, or oh, I don't know, Gerald. I mean, uh, like every year, it had its its uh, you know, it had its gold nuggets and it had its fair share of stinkers as well. So I can't. I, I mean, I, I can't really assign a grade to it necessarily. Um, I will say that this year, a lot of filmmakers that I typically admire or respect let me down a little bit oh okay interesting uh are we gonna get into that you think this evening uh, yeah i think so oh I mean, okay all right filmmakers that i respect and admire david fincher mm. charlie kaufman robert zemeckis etc uh really really disappointed me this year and you know several films on my you know i guess you could call it top films of the year list mm-hmm. things that i certainly wasn't expecting so that's where i'm at right now i mean uh all right. Well, hey, I can't fault you, man. I mean, you know, I, I, it was a rough year because, I mean, well, you work at the Alamo, but I have the Alamo season pass and, you know, they paused it in March because of everything that happened. And it's been a year, man, since I've been to the Alamo. <laughs> and it's just crazy. What was the last movie you saw in the theater before? Uh, actually, we're looking at it on the screen here Invisible Man. I, I saw it with our mutual friend Dan oh, okay. from Netflix and Swill. Him and I saw that together. Oh, right on, yeah. And then I saw Onward that like that same week with my son. So those would be the last two movies that I saw in the theater. I actually got to see Invisible Man twice in the theater. Excellent. Love that movie. But yeah, that, that was it, man, a year ago. Now, I did... You want to know the last film that I watched? I in do, the I do, yes. What was it? It was Jason X. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, you win, then. You win. Oh, man, that's great. So the categories tonight, guys, uh, same as last year with the exception, we dropped one category for movie, pet, or animal. I had a hard time coming up with with five for that category, so I figured we would maybe revisit it next year or come up with something fun next year. But here's the categories that we're going to go through this evening, each of them having their nominees, and then we will announce the winner in real time. Uh, We're going to do our best horror film, best comedy film, best animated film, best action film, screenplay which can be adapted or original. And then we're going to have supporting actor and actress, best director, best actor and actress, and best film of the year. Brian, I'm so excited you're here, man. Okay, so let's get into the awards. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there's a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. We're going to start. It's on the screen for everyone viewing at home right now, but we're going to do our best horror film. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you tee us off, Brian, because I know you love, I think you did see all of these actually. I know you love all these movies. 
So why don't you hit, a, hit us with the nominees, man, and then we'll reveal the winner here. The nominees for Best Horror Film are Freaky, Host, The Invisible Man, Possessor, and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the winner is The Invisible Man. Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then it was controlling when I left the house. And eventually, what I thought. I'm sorry, I can't take you with me. I'm not gonna leave you with that thing on. Him. Adrian's dead. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Adrian is dead. He's not dead. He has figured out a way to be invisible. All right. Any, uh, not a surprise, really, huh? What do you think? No, certainly. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, I just have to say, I think across the board, in terms of nominees, this is the, the the best category out of all of the categories. Like, this is a healthy list of nominees. But uh, I, I loved all of these films. But The Invisible Man stuck out for me because this is how you update a creaky old franchise. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Moss is just firing on all cylinders here. So good. Uh, for my money, this is the movie of the Me Too era. You know, there's another film that we're going to end up talking about. But this this worked for me as as kind of the movie of the moment, I guess, in terms of that whole thing is concerned. That's uh, a great point. Never has empty space been more terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Lee Winnell is, is so adept at making you feel this anxiety over something that may or may not even be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrific. Terrific I, choice. I'm, I'm obviously okay with the winner in this category as well. This was uh, fairly a landslide. Over half of the vote went to The Invisible Man in this category, which is kind of crazy to me because, like you said, I love all these so much. It's such a strong category. If They're all they're all great, but I feel like Invisible Man is just one notch above yeah. these others. Uh, for me, it's Possessor, and I think I've mentioned that to you online before. We had, a, we had a little back and forth on Twitter or something like that, but when it came out, but I just love the Cronenberg eye for filmmaking. It's just so just so like in your face and just, you know, unapologetic, fearless filmmaking, you know, and it uh, had some really horrific scenes in it, but they were so beautiful at the same time, you know, similar to you and I have talked about Ari Aster before, similar in that way, in my opinion. And then you have a movie like Freaky, which was just maybe the funnest I've had. I saw that at a drive-in, actually. I got to see an advanced screening of that at a local drive-in. And uh, that's, it's a horror movie, yes, but it's just so much fun. And then Host is great, too. Uh, you and I both have talked about Jim Cummings before for Wolf of Snow Hollow. This is such a strong category. But, I mean, your vote would go to Invisible Man. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It would, it, it, it's a tough it's tough pick, but it would have to be Invisible Man out of, out of these five. I'd recommend, if anyone hasn't seen any of these five films, check them out. Check them all out because they're all outstanding. 
Yeah. In their own way. I agree. I agree. So we'll go on to the next category, which is going to be for best comedy. Let me go through the nominees here. So for best comedy film, we have Borat, subsequent movie film, Emma, The King of Staten Island, Palm Springs, and Yes, God, Yes. And the winner for best comedy film is Palm Springs. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far. Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. So Palm Springs is our best comedy. Brian, did you see Palm Springs on Hulu? I did see Palm Springs. What do you think, man? I, I find the whole kind of time loop concept to be pretty played out at this point, or at least I thought so before I watched Palm Springs. But I think this movie kept it fresh enough, great chemistry with its leads. And it had this very summery freewheeling vibe, which during the pandemic, I think uh, was, was very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I I think uh, that's a terrific, that's a terrific pick. I think the, the voters had really good pick on that one. I would go for Borat. Personally, that ended up on my top 10 favorite films of the year. <laughs> did it? Okay. I haven't heard or seen that yet. Oh, no, I did see that because you put that up along with your 10 like disappointments or whatever. Yeah, I did see that. Um, you know, this Borat, like shockingly, I know you're not typically an awards guy besides the peas, of course, but Borat got so much love in awards season. And we're going to be talking about a couple different categories that, that it got some love. Were you surprised by that for, for such as kind of outlandish? narrative of a character like Borat that it was getting like Oscar nominations because it kind of surprised me I'm just curious if that surprised you yes but also no because Borat 2 was so good (laughs) right I mean I think Sasha Baron Cohen he made a film that was not only better than the original in my opinion but it carried this like political pertinence that skewered everything from you know the Trump presidency to COVID-19 but it still had that trademark, like edgy, kind of the edge to the humor, um, which right. I don't think is a small feat. So I, I mean, that that would be my pick. And we're gonna, I guess, we'll talk about Maria Bakalova later. But we oh will. my goodness, yeah, we will. Oh my goodness, <laughs> talk <laughs> about being surprised this year. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. So Palm Springs for our best comedy. Did, did what did you think? Did you see Emma? By the way, Emma was great. Anya Taylor. I did Joy. see Emma. Yeah. I'd watch Anya Taylor-Joy do anything. I'd watch her play chess. Me too. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> Quite I literally. Film, I think the film was a little overlong. I think it was more lightly amusing than it was f- 
than it was funny, but I thought it was um, a delight to look at. And um, it had that kind of witty Jane Austen dialogue that I love so much. So yeah, I agree. Um, I did not see the King of Staten Island or Yes, God, Yes, but I was curious about the latter because Natalia Dyer is to die for. Yeah, she's great. That is such a witty. It takes place in the 80s. Yeah, I, I definitely highly recommend that one. I want to say that one might actually be on Prime right now if you want to check it out. And it's a breezy watch, too. It's like 83 minutes or something like that. So uh, it's cool. really good. And then the King of Staten Island, I really uh, responded to. I, I really like Judd Apatow, though. So I think I might be biased in that way. Um, but it did have a lot of those same sensibilities that you got from some of his previous films. So I think this is a pretty strong category, too. But for me, I would be voting for Palm Springs. So I'm glad that that kind of turned out that way. Uh, but I could see the Borat love, too. And like I said, it's been getting a ton of love at all the other award shows. So why not on the piece, too? So there you go. Palm Springs, which premiered on Hulu in July, is the best comedy film, according to the Peas listeners. So thank you guys so much. And the nominees for best animated film are... Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, The Willoughbys, and Wolfwalkers. All right. I don't know. Do you have a preference here? You were kind of mad at animated last year, so let's see what we got. <laughs> Make you happy. All right. And the winner is Soul. All right. So the best animated feature is Soul and Another Landslide. 66%. Of the votes out of these five nominees went to Disney Pixar Soul. What the? What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Got it. Go for it. Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Ah! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Help! I'm not done! Oh my, oh my goodness! No, it's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh, Brian, do you have a favorite in this category? Are you happy with that result? Soul ended up on my top 10 favorite films of the year. I think uh, Pixar is becoming scarily good at making films uh, ostensibly for children, but that tackle extremely weighty and or existential themes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's also, I mean, it looks and sounds immaculate. And it's just a great story about finding your purpose in life. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Disney Pixar Although, is, does do that. You're right. They deal with these issues that, you know, I'll look over at my seven-year-old son, for example, and I'll be like, you're enjoying this? Like, it's kind of dark, bro. <laughs> but yeah, they, they do that so so beautifully and so flawlessly. I love this movie, too. Did you see Wolfwalkers, though? I did. And back in the year 2014, there was a film called Song of the Sea from the same mm -hmm. animation studio, an Irish animation studio called um, Cartoon Saloon. Right. And Song of the Sea is one of the most beautiful animated films I've ever watched. It wrecked me emotionally. And so when I saw it lose to Big Hero 6, I was like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> so right. 
unfortunately, this year they have a really strong contender. Wolfwalkers is stunningly animated. It has a great, it has a great story, but it's up against Soul, which right. is so good. You know, in any other year, I would. I mean, I hold Wolfwalkers to the highest esteem. I love this animation studio. They're still doing 2D animated features. But unfortunately, you know, it, it, it's got really great competition this year. So yeah. um, I love I love Wolfwalkers. I love the studio. And I would love to see them win an Oscar one day. Me too. Um, me too. You know. Because they deserve the recognition. Yeah. That's the only one in this category where I'm kind of like, eh, if Soul's going to get upset, I really hope it's Wolfwalkers. But I just don't see that happening. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't see that happening. And even if it did, I mean, there's two Disney Pixar's in the same category here, and they usually kind of dominate that conversation at award season. So the best animated film, according to the Peas community, is Soul, Disney Pixar Soul. Great film, and like I said, a landslide victory there. All right, so next up, Brian, will be our best action movie. All right, let's see what we got here. The nominees were Birds of Prey, Fat Man, The Gentleman, The Old Guard, and Unhinged. Those were our nominees for Best Action, and the winner is, hmm, okay, do you, do you have any guesses? You don't like guessing, do you? It's, I don't like guessing. Just go for it. <laughs> I'll just tell you. It's Birds of Prey. There you go. Right on. Can I help you? Why, yes. Yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. Ah, shit. I told this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. <laughs> it's oh so quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people You're want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy. I'm so peaceful. I'm but it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. You fall in love. <laughs> He's after all of us. We can't just rob him. You betrayed him. You killed his BFF. <laughs> What? You are so cool. All right. And you know what's so funny about that, Brian, is when I was listening back earlier to the third annual Golden Peas that we did last year, you were mentioning to me that you had just seen that when we recorded that last oh. year, which was like in February, I think. So I know, you, I know you're a fan of this because you were telling me that a year ago when we recorded. Uh, what about this category? Do you like that coming out as the winner here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Birds of Prey is underrated. I think it's badass. It's feminist as hell. And, and probably best of all, it's it's simple. There's no blue laser shooting into the sky. There's no world-ending stakes. It's just a brisk, lighthearted, but brutal, and very stylish comic book movie. Like, mm -hmm. you can't really ask for much more. Yeah, I agree. You know, the, this category is... The old guard I wasn't crazy about. I'll just full disclosure. I mean, I didn't hate it, but... Okay, yeah, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like you know, blown away by it. Unhinged really surprised me. Did you see Unhinged by chance with Russell Crowe? No, I'm sure didn't. Yeah, that one really surprised me. Like, I was like, holy crap, this is kind of good. Russell Crowe was really hamming it up in that movie. Uh, Fat Man, you know I'm in love with. Um, the Nelms brothers actually friended me on social media. <laughs> I've been, like, having a friendship with them. They sent me a poster from the movie that I have on my wall here. 
So I'm a big fan of that one, and I think the screenplay is a, a very strong suit in that film rep, film's repertoire. The Gentleman was a lot of fun. Can't go wrong with Guy Ritchie. But I think Birds of Prey, I mean, that's, I mean, come on, man. Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. I mean, it doesn't get any better, dude. So there we go. She's perfect for the role. She really is. Yeah, perfect casting choice. So Birds of Prey is the best action movie, according to the listener community. All right, so next up would be Best Screenplay. Brian, you're going to be presenting for that one. And just so everyone knows, this can be an adapted screenplay or original. It's all in the same category. Brian, take it away, man. And the nominees for Best Screenplay are The Nelms Brothers for Fat Man, Charlie Kaufman for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, and Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of the Chicago Seven. And the winner is Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. There we go. My girl, Emerald Fennell. Uh, guys, anybody listening that listens to my show regularly, I, there's no movie that I've championed more in 2020 than Promising Young Woman. I feel like Brian's lukewarm on it. This uh, movie is actually going to be coming up in a few different categories before we end tonight. Brian, do you want to say anything about it now in regards to the screenplay? Are you happy with this result? Would you have picked something else? I understand why people enjoy this movie. And I can't really get into my feelings on it without spoiling the ending. So without, without talking too much about it, I, I, I think there are portions of the film in which it really has its finger on the pulse of a really timely and a really provocative subject. Uh, but I think it stumbles in its final stretch in a way that I thought was pretty tone deaf. I appreciate the subversion of what you would expect from a typical revenge film and mm. that it's a revenge film that doesn't show any, you know, triggering or explicit violence on screen. Mm. I appreciated that. But the whole satisfaction I get when watching a revenge film is watching a hero or heroine get their own justice in a world or a scenario in which none exists. Right. And this this movie robs you of that catharsis. So for me, it just ends up feeling hollow. And I know that that's probably by design. It was intended to be that way, and I can't necessarily fault the film for that. So again, I understand it does add to the discussion and the, and the conversation, mm -hmm. uh, but it just was not for me. I think the the performances are pretty uniformly terrific. I, I think, you know, th there's definitely merit to it, mm -hmm. uh, but aside from a few well-placed needle drops, uh, for me, the film lacked also in any kind of real style or voice from a directing standpoint. I think the screenplay is definitely stronger than the direction. So I'm, hap I'm happy with this win, I suppose. I, I personally would have picked Nomadland. I love that you included Fat Man because I thought that was a pretty delightful surprise. I right. was very impressed. And you can listen to, we did an episode for Epic Film yeah, Guys did, in which yeah. Gerald talked about this film in more depth, but I was impressed by its originality and its dark sense of humor. And it also has like this unexpected warmth right. <laughs> that no, yeah, heart, um, yeah. plays mm -hmm. into it too. So I think it's on its way to become you know, a, a cult holiday classic. And I think it's a shame that it was slept on. Well, I agree with you there for sure. Well, when it comes to Emerald Fennell, um, you know, I mean, I respectfully disagree with some of what you said, uh, but I, but I can see all of it. I see what you're saying and I see where you're coming from. I will say real quick, I thought Aaron Sorkin was probably going to be a lock for this because his dialogue tends to be, you know, he tends to really shine in screenplay categories. 
Uh, what I love, you're right though, it's really tough to talk about <laughs> what I love about the screenplay and the writing for Promising Young Woman without giving away the, the final act because I really don't want to do that for anyone. But I will just say that I love how Emerald Fennell, which starts on the page here, we're talking about screenplay, really, you, you know, you kind of prove my point in a way because you go into this thinking like this is a revenge movie. She's going to be killing a bunch of dudes or she's going to be, you know what I mean? Or like whatever you think about when you think about revenge films and the, right. the overall kind of like aura around the writing is that, but what's inside is so much different and it really does subvert the audience's expectations, but it really challenges them as well. And again, it is so hard to, because there's things I want to say, but I don't want to yeah. to give away stuff, but you know, I do love how she did that, how she's like, yeah, I'm making this great revenge movie. And you know, even the trailers kind of paint it that way. And then, you know, you get in there and it's something like, oh, my God, like what just happened? What am I seeing? Like, I, did, I didn't think this was supposed to happen. And it really challenges you because I can remember sitting. This is one that I got to see in the theater because a buddy of mine that works at the theater got me in to see it. And I can remember sitting there as the credits were rolling. Like literally going like, what just happened? You know, and and when filmmakers are able to do that for me, it goes a long way. And sometimes it, sometimes I'll walk away not fulfilled. Uh, but in this case, I really was. So it's no shock to anyone that I love this movie so, so much. So I'm very pleased with the result. But I did think Aaron Sorkin was going to win this. Um, so I'm happy to see that. So Emerald Fennell for screenplay. Anything else you want to say about these? Brian? Not particularly. Uh, just just to add to what you were saying, I do think people should watch Promising Young Woman for themselves and make up their own minds. Because the consensus does seem to be most people seem to really love it. Mm. For the subject that it's tackling, I have a hard time imagining anyone like being empowered by it or or feeling... A, 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 I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess you ha- had a sense of satisfaction after the movie, but I felt sick. Like, I don't know if that was the intention, but it just made me feel like the person carrying out the revenge. Be careful. Um, <laughs> be careful. Which you're supposed to be rooting, which you're supposed to be rooting for. Right. I'm with you. Again. I know. I know. I, you, you, I know. You I know. watch it. <laughs> I know what you're saying. And I want to have a conversation with you about it so badly, but just not on this episode, because I hate to spoil it for anyone. Because uh, if I had known the twists and turns at the end of this movie, I would probably not have loved it as much as I do. So I don't want to ruin that for anyone. But Brian, I think me and you can have possibly more conversations about Promising a Woman if you'd like down the road for sure. Sure. Absolutely. So, so Emerald Fennell gets screenplay. I'm uh, kind of a, I'm surprised, but I'm uh, I'm pleasantly surprised personally by that one. Okay, so next up will be for Best Supporting Actor. And the nominees for the Golden P for Best Supporting Actor are Ben Mendelsohn from Baby Teeth, Leslie Odom Jr. from One Night in Miami, Paul Racy from The Sound of Metal, Sasha Baron Cohen from The Trial of the Chicago 7, and Stanley Tucci from Supernova. And our winner for Best Supporting Actor is Paul Racy from The Sound of Metal. I've got a little uh, assignment for you, Okay. You get up early, right? Yeah, pretty early, yeah. I'll have hot coffee waiting for you at 5.30. Early enough for you? I don't know, I guess. Okay, five. And I'll uh, provide a room for you. Oh, four. 
And there's nothing that needs to be accomplished in this room. All I want you to do is just sit. All I ask is if and when you cannot just sit, you turn yourself to the pen and paper that I'm going to supply for you. And I want you to write. Doesn't matter what you write, how you write, whether it's spelled correctly, or if it's just a big mess. I don't care. No one will read it, okay? But I want you to keep writing continuously without stopping until you feel like you can sit again. Does it have to be writing? Writing, yes. No drawing. Writing, yes. And if sometime in the future it feels like it's a little bit too difficult for you, you should come and find me. I'll be in my apartment doing the same thing as you, okay, Ruben? There you go. This is another performance that I personally have been championing all year. Have you seen Sound of Metal yet, Brian? I sure haven't. I want to. It's in like my queue, my list of movies to watch, but I just did not get around to it. I'm so glad he won. It's one of my favorite performances, and he just uh, squeaked into the Oscar five as well for supporting actor, which I was really thrilled about because there was a lot of, it was like 50-50 whether he was going to get in there or not. I know you haven't seen it, but what I will say as a general thought, and I'll leave you with it that to, to kind of think about when you do watch it, is what was so great about his performance and why I do think he deserves this is because his, you know, a lot of the actors in the category are like very, a very cinematic, like, you know, they're just boisterous and, and they're acting, you know. But Paul Racy, it seemed very like down to earth, very real, very intimate. And it did not seem like an actor's portrayal, but that's coming from an actor doing a portrayal. Do you know what I mean? So it was, yeah, it was a feat in my, in my mind. It was like you were in the room watching him interact with, Riz Ahmed or, you know, whatever character he was interacting with in the film. And he plays a deaf man in the film. Uh, just a tremendous performance. And I'm so glad that he's getting recognition for it. Uh, what do you think of the other nominees in the category before we move on? Do you have any favorites there? Well, I haven't seen three out of five of these movies, so I can't really comment. I did see One Night in Miami, which that movie was like an actor showcase. Yeah. And in a film full of great performances, I thought Leslie Odom Jr. was a standout player for sure so what was the other one you saw i saw the trial of chicago seven i mean i I think sasha baron cohen i'm just continually astounded by his his range um and his intellect especially i did think the accent was a little bit distracting (laughs) right (laughs) but he was he was he did give a great performance and he provided a lot of comedic relief in the film as well um and some great emotional scenes too so i i just saw supernova uh, actually, yesterday I saw that, and uh, I'd heard so many great things about Stanley Tucci, and he really had a tender performance in that movie. He's a man that's getting older, that's suffering from dementia, and Colin Firth, yeah. Colin Firth plays his husband and uh, S.O. in the film, and uh, it's a very beautiful story about love and loss, and uh, it was a great movie, and I just waited way too long to see it, but I just saw it yesterday. I love Baby Teeth. That was in my top five films of the year. It's an Australian film. And Ben Mendelsohn plays the father of a terminally ill daughter who has been given like six months to live. And uh, it's just a torturous performance of what you would do as a parent because you want your kid to be as happy as they possibly can. But you also don't want them to make dumb mistakes. 
So it's a, it, it, he does a really great job of kind of towing that line. And then you already, uh, you know, talked about One Night in Miami. I will just mention about this category. You know, we released our nominees, which I helped. I polled to get the nominees for the ballot. But we released it in January. And I don't know if you know, but back then, Judas and the Black Messiah was not even really being talked about in January. That kind of came out of nowhere. So people are probably wondering where Daniel Kaluuya is on this list or perhaps even Lakeith Stanfield. But I had not seen that movie. And frankly, I'd barely even heard about it when we released the nominees for the Golden Peace. So a notable absence. But I'm very happy for Paul Racy. So he is the best supporting actor for the Golden Peace this year. Paul Racy from The Sound of Metal. And here's a question, Gerald. Yes. Would you consider, you saw Judas and the Black Messiah, right? I did, yeah. Okay, so would you consider Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield supporting actors in that movie? Or would you, <laughs> were they co-leads? Was one more um, prominent than the other? What, what do you think? Because you know, ask- <laughs> Yeah, I know, that's really weird, right? I, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the equation is for that, like what the formula is for that. For me... One of them's got to be the lead. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm asking my wife the other day. I'm like, well, who's the lead? So I, you know, I thought that because Kaluuya has been getting supporting across the board in award season. Like when he's showing up, he's showing up and supporting. So that trend just kind of continued, you know. So he was in supporting at the Globes. He was in supporting at the Critics' Choice. So the Oscars put him in supporting. So it's like, okay, well, I guess he's supporting. So Lakeith's our lead, right? But then they nominated Lakeith. So to answer your question, I'm kind of baffled by it because you would think one of the two would be considered lead and one of them would be considered supporting. And also it's dangerous from an Academy perspective, too, because they could split the vote in that category uh, if people exactly. if people love the movie. So that's tough for them, too. I mean, I'm sure they're both thrilled to be nominated, but it's just kind of weird, you know. So I don't know to answer your question, <laughs> but I would well, think and- Lakeith would be the lead is what I would think. In the words of Lakeith himself, as he posted on Instagram, um, yeah. fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm confused too, but fuck it, let's do it, or something like that. Yeah, it was great. All right, Brian, you're up, man, for our Best Supporting Actress. What do we got? The nominees for Best Supporting Actress are Amanda Seyfried for Mank, Linda May for Nomadland, Maria Bakalova for Borat, subsequent movie film, Yoon Yajung for Minari, and Saoirse Ronan for Ammonite. All right, ready? And the winner is Maria Bakalova for Borat, subsequent movie film. Did you have a good time? Yes. I'm glad. What are you going to do? I will get the surgery so my daddy can give me as a present for this American man. What kind of surgery? I will have uh, the biggest titties in the whole world. Okay, so you're getting plastic surgery at 15. Yes. When are you getting that done? Now. Now? Yes. Wow. Do you want that? Seriously? No, you don't, because you would have said yes. I excite. You excite, but that's not what you want. Okay, I don't think you need to do that, because you're pretty and you're young. And any man should like you as you are. You shouldn't want to be anybody else but yourself. But if I have enormous titties, I don't have to learn how to swim. So you were worried there as you were reading the nominees. You thought I peaked. What was wrong? Did you think maybe she didn't win? No, I, I stumbled upon a name I couldn't pronounce. Oh, or okay. Or was afraid I would mispronounce. <laughs> okay. 
uh, I've probably mispronounced that every time I say it. Uh, Yao Yu Jing, I think, from Minari, but I don't no. know. But I do love her performance. Did you see Minari by chance? Uh, no, that's I okay. want to. No, it's okay. I want to. So we were talking earlier. You said David Fincher disappointed you this year. I'm assuming you're re- relating to Mank or referring to Mank. Yeah, um, Mank was a disaster. But mm, yeah. Amanda Seyfried was like an oasis of charm. Yeah, in that she was movie. great. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I agree that she was the best part of that movie. I loved her and I loved um, Lily Collins as well, her character. Um, but yeah, Mank was, you know, I've been talking about this on my Patreon nonstop because we're doing like Oscars coverage over there. But anybody that's a patron knows, but I just was very, very disappointed and frankly bored with Mank. You know, the technical achievements I'll get on board with. Like it was, you know, it was the cinematography was great. Um, yeah. The costumes were great. Score. Yeah. The score was good. You know what I mean? But it's like you have to be entertained, though. You have to. And I just didn't connect to the subject matter or whatever. And. You know, former epic film guy Nick is a huge fan of Citizen Kane, and he didn't even like it, which, you know, to me speaks volumes that somebody would be such a big fan of what the movie's about, really, is kind of creating Citizen Kane and the screenplay for that. Did, did you get a chance to see Nomadland? I can't remember if you told me you did or not. I did. Okay. I did. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Linda May here in this category. Now, again, it was about mid-January or so that we released the ballot. Uh, I got to see Nomadland at a film festival all the way back in... I believe it was November. It was October or November. And the she's a, she's not an actress. So I don't know. I just want everyone that's listening or watching at home to know that Linda May is not an actress. She's an actual nomad who, you know, her character, she's playing herself basically in the movie, for lack of a better way to put it. She's kind of reenacting her own life. And I felt like, I mean, wow. I mean, what did you think? I mean, because Frances McDormand is going to get all the notoriety, which I'm not saying she's bad in it. But what did you think of Linda and some of the other nomads, that how they were kind of portraying their lives on, on screen here? I thought it was fascinating. Well, I think that was very effective. I, I did not know going in that there would be almost like documentary style talking head interviews dispersed throughout the film mm-hmm. or dispersed throughout the film. But I thought those scenes were extremely effect, like emotionally affecting. And I think they added to the movie as a whole because the movie itself is like it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful and it's infuriating. And mm-hmm. they, they just added so much and they were so natural because they were essentially playing themselves and the movie was depicting their lives. Right. Terrific, terrific, terrific. film. so, so um, Maria, I, I so, love that you included her here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie too. And I think it, it deserves all the praise it's getting uh, Maria Bakalova winning here, supporting actress. She just showed up at the Academy Awards, which was really a shock. If you think of the Oscars history, not to take away from her, but just what they typically nominate is not performances like that. And I know you're a fan of this one. So you got to be thrilled with this result then, huh? Uh, well, this is the performance of the year for me. Okay. Again, completely winning. I mean, to completely upstage Sasha Baron Cohen in his own movie takes an insane amount of talent and fearlessness. And she is the movie. She's the movie's heart and soul. She's what makes it work as a story. She has an arc. She has like a complete transformation as a character. Yep. And there's a scene with her and the the babysitter in the movie, and they're in the car. And that scene is so heartbreaking. And she is what makes it work. So yeah, I it, I would love for her to win an Oscar for this performance. That'd be great. She's deserving. That'd be great. And the nomination. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. Either, I don't. <laughs> I have no faith. But <laughs> I don't either. But I think the nomination was groundbreaking. 
So, uh, but she did win a golden P, so that's distinction in and of itself. Won a golden P, man. So yeah, there she's she's moving up in the world, Maria Bakalova, and that scene with Rudy Giuliani, she deserves an award just for doing that. Uh, oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> as well. All right, so next up, we'll be doing uh, giving out our award for best director, and I have a little caveat here. My wife put a little asterisk on. She didn't tell me which category it was until just a short time ago but there was one category that there is a tie all right we had 202 votes cast and there is a tie for best director all right so the nominees first of all are chloe zhao for nomadland david fincher for mank emerald fennell for promising young woman george c wolf for ma rainey's black bottom regina king for one night in miami and spike lee for the five bloods so a couple of movies getting their first mention of the evening thus far. And the tie, so let's see. We're By the way, we're just giving out a tie. I don't want to do any kind of tiebreaker or anything like that. So I don't know what they are, but here we go, Brian. We'll find out together. So, okay. All right. <laughs> so we have a split tie between Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman and Chloe Zhao for Nomad Land. So one for you, Brian, one for me. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> So what do you yeah. think? So one for you, one for me, Brian. So obviously we've talked about Emerald Fennell already. Uh, Chloe Zhao's direction of Nomadland, or I, I assume you're okay with that victory for her in this category? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've just talked at length already about how beautiful I thought that film was. But it's just so, like, it's directed with such a simplicity, but also this very deft hand. For anyone who saw her, I believe it was her previous film, The Rider, Right, which was I so such an extraordinary film, and in, in, in a quietly powerful way. And uh, Nomadland was was just as extraordinary to me. So definitely, definitely happy about that. Yeah, Chloe Zhao in Nomadland. I have not seen the writer, but in Nomadland, just it's it's the best directed film that I saw this year. It, it wasn't my favorite film, but it was the best directed film of the year. The wide scoping shots and the way that she utilizes the camera and landscapes. And, you know, just simple, everyday kind of wilderness and hills. And, I mean, even the movie poster that we're looking at on my screen right now with Frances McDormand kind of sitting outside her van there. I mean, just the way it's shot is just like a series of postcards that, you know, that you would find in the souvenir shop or something. It's just so beautifully shot. And I, I thought I thought it just looks beautiful. It looks great. Chloe Zhao, in my opinion, is the best director, again, of the movies that I've seen. And she's been winning a lot of awards, not just the Golden P. She's been winning a lot of awards. She's got nominated for the Academy Award. And I think she's probably going to win it, in my opinion. She could win it, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in my opinion, she's she's my she's my prediction to win that. So what do you think of, there's a couple that we hadn't talked about yet, The Five Bloods and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, popping up here. What do you think of those two flicks? Did you get a chance? Well, I know you saw The Five Bloods. Uh, well, Spike Lee directed two of my favorite films I saw. All, all year last year, which was which are *The Five Bloods* and *David Burns' American Utopia*. Oh, that's right. So, so this was his year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think *The Five Bloods* is the most ambitious film of his career. Some people say it's uneven, but I, I think it's a home run. I mean, I, for for whatever reason, I just really took to that movie. I watched it more. I watched it twice, and it's just a hell of a film. I think it's extremely well directed. Getting great performances out of your actors is. is a feat if you're a director and um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is just full of fantastic performances and same with One Night in Miami Regina King I mean this was her debut um, if I'm not mistaken and it's a hell right. of a debut for Regina King so, it really is uh, yeah. very, very strong across the board in terms of um, uh, nominees in this category except again David Fincher <laughs> letting me down with Mank 
Lord Almighty. I was going to say, I don't know about the Fincher, but uh, yeah. No, okay, so there we go. So Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell tying for Best Director. I did not expect that to happen, but they both tied with 28% of the vote each. So there he goes, our Best Director for the Peas. We have two two women there, Brian. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Too bad it wasn't a three-way tie and had Regina in there. That would be perfect. All right, so next up, Brian, I'm going to let you present for Best Actor this year. The nominees for Best Actor are Andy Samberg for Palm Springs, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Delroy Lindo for Five Bloods, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. And the winner is Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Slow down. Yo, chill, dude. We're going to be a minute. Just chill, okay? Just slow down a minute. Who's gonna be looking out for you over there? Who's gonna look out for it's you? Okay. Don't say that, it's guy. Okay. It's look, okay. I need, I need more of a plan, Lou. I need, I need more from you, Lou. I need more of a plan, Lou. Okay, it's a fucking. Ah, oh, Jesus, Lou, come on. Ruben, Ruben. You hurt yourself? Ruben, you hurt yourself? You hurt me. I'll hurt myself too. I'll hurt myself too. Promise. Say it, Ruby, or all of this is for shit. Say it. Promise. Go back there right now. Promise. Say it. I'll promise if you. No, say it. Promise. Go back to that place. I only if I, I need I need you to wait for me. Okay? You're it for me, Lou. You're my fucking heart. You're it for me. Okay? You gotta wait for me. Alright. So my patrons that are watching at home, they're probably going to think this is fixed. I swear to you it's not. <laughs> Over 200 votes, Riz Ahmed wins. Uh, the reason I say that, Brian, is because I've mentioned on our awards discussion over on Patreon that he is my he's the best performance of the year, in my opinion. Uh, I think Chadwick Boseman is, gives a phenomenal performance in Ma Rainey, and all, also it's obviously posthumous as he just passed away very recently. Uh, so I think he's a shoe-in for most awards just based on his legacy and wanting to kind of honor him based on what happened recently. And I'm not saying, and I actually made a comment on the like reaction show that we did to the Oscar nominations the other day or yesterday. And I said that even though Riz Ahmed was my personal favorite, even I would be casting a vote for Chadwick for Ma Rainey's. So, but I'm very pleased with this result. I mean, I know you haven't seen it, but Riz Ahmed just gives such a, just a such a brilliant performance suffering from you know losing his hearing and then eventually he does lose his hearing and he's a musician so a musician without their hearing i mean you can only imagine uh, what that would be like and he really sold me on what that would be like and i really felt for his character you know i felt like i was living in that kind of hell with him in this movie. So I'm very pleased with this result. What about you, man? What do you think? I know you didn't see that one, but what do you think about Chadwick or some of the other nominees here? Well, Chadwick Boseman, I mean, we lost a tremendous talent and this, this movie is kind of, and the performance is kind of just like a, 
kind of a great swan song for him. You're right. He might have a better chance as, as morbid as it sounds to, right. to win an Oscar. But again, that's just a, a testament and a tribute to his, his legacy as an actor. Thank you for recognizing brilliance with Delroy Lindo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the five, I don't think it's literally not possible to act better than Delroy Lindo does in this movie. Right. So to, to not recognize him with a nomination, if I, if I cared about Oscar nominations, it would really make me upset mm-hmm. <laughs> that he didn't get recognized because uh, it's just an utterly haunting performance. He has this very Shakespearean soliloquy towards the end of the film that just absolutely wrecked me. And yeah, it, it's, it, I could go on and on. I think aside from Maria Bakalova, Delroy Linda was like a highlight for me in terms of performances for the year. I've heard so many good things about Sound of Metal and Riz Ahmed's performance. I definitely, definitely want to check it out because he's an actor I've had on my eye on ever since uh, Nightcrawler. Oh, which yeah. Is so great sure. in Nightcrawler. Andy Samberg, definitely. I mean, I, I love him. I love The Lonely Island. I think he's... Uh, it's a performance that, again, he kind of has this laid back quality to him, the whole movie, which is very funny, but the character has layers. And I think it shows depth of talent and depth of acting to show, you know, show those layers as the film goes on. So I give Andy Samberg props for that. And Gary Oldman, all he did was lay in bed for most of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he is not like, the wow, highlight. That sure is such a stretch for Gary Oldman. He is not the highlight here in this category. But when I did the polls for the early on to get the nominees, he got so many people. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess, you know, and this was before I'd actually seen the movie. And then when I saw, I'm not saying he's bad in it, but I mean, I've seen Gary Oldman do some stuff that's. I'm saying that. (laughs) (laughs) But I've seen Gary Oldman do stuff that's a hundred times better than this that he got no nominations for. So, you know, it's just crazy, man. But yeah, there you go. So Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, a bit of a surprise, but everyone knows that's my personal favorite male performance of the year. So I'm excited about that personally. Now, Brian, uh, talking about getting excited, next up is Best Actress. Now, I haven't, I don't know the results. If if my fans and listeners are trolling me, I don't know how, what I'm going to do, man. But let's see what we have here, okay? The nominees for Best Actress are Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman, Frances McDormand from Nomadland, Julia Garner for The Assistant, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, and Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And let's see who our winner is. And I will show the camera so you know I'm not cheating here. It's Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. My assistant says that you are interested in resuming med school. That's right. May I ask what prompted your desire to get back to your studies? I guess I couldn't stop thinking about my time here. Yeah, that's an extraordinary place. It's an unusual request. Yes, but I left under unusual circumstances. Oh. I left because of what happened to Nina. Hmm. Nina Fisher. You don't remember her? Maybe you remember Alexander Monroe? Oh, yes, Alexander Monroe. He actually just came back and gave a talk here. Oh, he's a, he's a really nice guy, really smart. Are you a friend of his? No. So you don't remember the accusations made against Al Monroe? I don't. He took a girl, Nina Fisher, the one you don't remember, back to his room where he had sex with her repeatedly and in front of his friends while she was too drunk to have any idea what was going on. She was covered in bruises the next day. Handprints, I guess you could say. Was it reported? 
Yes. Do you know who Nina spoke to? You. Uh, no shock that I am absolutely in love with this result, and I hope that's also the name that's called on Oscar night. What do you think about these nominees, man? I mean, um, you talked a little bit about Promising Young Woman earlier, but what about Mulligan's performance? Like I said, terrific performance. I think it, it takes an incredibly an incredibly brave actress to go to the depths of a character's trauma as effectively as she does in this movie. It's a very raw performance. It's a very, again, it's a character who's kind of put up walls for herself, but you see throughout the movie, those walls kind of, um, you see the kind of beyond the facade and you see this incredibly broken character. You understand through Mulligan's performance, I think more so than, I mean, the screenplay is what it is, but I think having the right actress in that role Mm -hmm. really helps to convey the film's themes of grief and trauma. Mulligan is just, I mean, she's, she's amazing. So definitely understand the result of this. Um, My vote would have gone to Frances McDormand because again, you're seeing the whole movie through, she is the movie. You're seeing the whole experience through her eyes and um, through her experiences. And um, she broke my heart. Like she literally at the end of the movie, again, not to spoil anything, but she just has a moment where you see her completely break down and um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just takes your breath away. It really is. Um, Viola Davis. I love her performance in Ma Rainey. She is sharp as a knife. You never know what she's going to say or do next. She's a very unpredictable character. I just, I I love Viola Davis anyway. She was terrific in Fences. So I want to see her do more August Wilson. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I did not see the assistant or pieces of woman. Well, you were but. talking about you were talking about heartbreaking with McDormand's performance, and you're right. But I tell you, what was probably the most heartbreaking performance of the year was Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman. I mean, that is a portrait of uh, a parent's grief of losing a newborn child. And if Vanessa Kirby's not able to pull that off, I mean, the movie doesn't work. And it's really just a picture of grief. And she is just so wonderful in that role. Uh, you know, any other year. I think she would have a pretty big chance at some of the big award shows, but this is a tough, tough lineup. I'm not even talking about the ones that we're looking at on screen here, but I mean, just in the, in the award circles in general, Julia Garner, uh, who has recently rose to fame in Ozark on Netflix, uh, had a lead role in the assistant here where it's literally shot like a day in the life of a Hollywood executive's assistant, which she portrays very Harvey Weinstein esque character. And a lot of people think that it was kind of based on the you know controversy surrounding him about a year before that. So it's very hard to watch at times, but the way it's shot is so quiet and subdued that it's like you're it's it's almost like you're on the job training with her, and you're just kind of sitting next to her while she goes through her day. Now, with that being said, you see a lot of things throughout the course of that day that really bother you as a viewer, as a bystander. So it's tough to watch at times because of what she has to endure um, in that world, you know, that very male-dominated world. But Julia Garner just pulls it off flawlessly. That's a, that's one that's on Hulu right now, if anybody wants to check it out. It was one of my favorite. It made my top 10 films of the year. And I, I love all these, honestly. All these are great. But no, no shock that I'm thrilled by Carrie Mulligan's win here for Promising Young Woman. Hopefully we will hear her name again in about a month on the Oscars. But there you go. That's our best actress for the golden piece. And Brian, the way it's shaked out, man, you get to present for best film, which I'm very which I'm very excited. And then we'll talk about a few of these at the end. But here's your nominees. Go for it, man. 
And the nominees for Best Film are I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Minari, Nomadland, Palm Springs, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. All right, Brian, I haven't looked. Here it is. I'm going to hold it up to the camera for you, and I might close my eyes, man, but here you go. I'll let you say, do your thing. What do we got? And the winner is Promising Young Woman. Oh, my God. My listeners love me, or they love Promising Young Woman, or both. I don't know. There you go. Best film of the year, Promising Young Woman. Brian, man, I feel bad. This is like your Toy Story 4 from last year, man. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of some of these other ones? You said you didn't see Minari. Uh, I'm thinking of any things you weren't too hot on either. No. This movie can eat my ass. (laughs) What uh, what would be your pick in this category? I'm just curious. Probably Nomadland, right? For sure. Okay. Well, I urge you to see, uh, Brian, you specifically, Sound of Metal. I think you'll love it. It's just a, it's a great movie. It's on Amazon Prime right now. I think you'll dig it, man. I, I kind of know your sensibilities. I think you'll really like it. I also think you'll really like Minari. Uh, that one is, well, maybe that one is available for rental now. I'm not sure. I think it might be. Um, it sure is. It's one of those, uh, as of right now, it's one of those $20 Okay. All uh, right. I guess wh- whatever you call it, uh, premium access or whatever rentals uh, that are, you know, yeah. priced pretty high. But when split between three people in the household, it makes it a little easier to swallow. So I definitely plan on checking it out. Yeah, you guys have a you guys have a nice little racket going over there. Just split the cost. So let's go through this through these again real quick. I'm just going to wrap them up for everyone, Brian. So our best horror film was The Invisible Man. The best comedy film was Palm Springs. Our best animated film was Soul. The best action film was Birds of Prey. The best screenplay was Emerald Fennell's Promising Young Woman. Our best supporting actor was Paul Racy from The Sound of Metal. The best supporting actress was Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. We had a tie in best director, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Best actor was Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Maybe that's the surprise of the night, Brian, I think. Best Actress was Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, and Best Film of the Year was Promising Young Woman. There we go, guys. That is your 2021 Golden Peas, the fourth annual Golden Pea Movie Awards. Brian, I hope you just keep coming back and doing this until you get tired of me, man. Thank you. Please. And, uh, you know, it's as I said, it's an honor. And I think it's so cool that you do this and source source out the votes to your mm-hmm. listeners uh, and the community. I think that is, that's fantastic. And they picked some good ones this year. So thank you to everyone who voted and, and thank you to everyone who's listening right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'd love to keep doing this if you'll have me. Absolutely, man. It's always great to chat movies with you for sure. Even though sometimes... You, you talk about my favorite movie in a way that doesn't make me too thrilled, but that's okay. That's all right. Hey, what do you want from me, Gerald? Do you want to just <laughs> do you want me to just agree with you all the time? No, Creates not, discourse. Not at all. In fact, <laughs> not. I love it. Yeah, not at all. But in fact, the last time you and I were together, you were getting on Happiest Season, which I loved. <laughs> Holiday movie I loved. And now here we're back again. But that's okay. It's all opinions. It's all in fun, and uh, it's all love, man. Now what we did. To end last year, I thought it would be fun, Brian, and I'm kind of putting myself on the spot, but I'm also, I guess, putting you on the spot. But uh, thinking of the last year in film, right, in 2020, and of course, COVID was a thing and all that, right? But what would you say, I'm going to ask for your biggest letdown of the year, one that you were excited about that kind of disappointed you, and then also on the flip side, what your biggest surprise of the year was, something that pleasantly surprised you. Oh, that is a good question. The film that disappointed me, I mean... 
I, I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan, mm. as as you know. And I wasn't expecting much out of Scoob based on the trailers. You know, when you take a beloved property and you screw it up this badly, it, it takes a special, ki- like, it's a special kind of failure. And for that reason, it was my least favorite film of 2020 because I actively felt sick watching it. I was like shaking with rage and I, and I was like, I'm not even that big of a Scooby-Doo fan actually. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, tw- I'm 27 years old. I should not be getting this mad over a Scooby-Doo movie, but they managed to screw it up in such a, such a colossal way. Right. Uh, and, and they, they managed to screw it up such, with such epic proportions that it, it boggles the mind. It raises the level of my blood pressure and um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, for uh, me, I'm getting, I'm getting animated yeah, just talking about it. But man, yeah, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, for me, it was Tenant. Tenant was a mm, Tenant. That's a good one. Oh man, I was just like, what the fuck? Like I thought I was in the wrong. I was at the wrong place, or I rented the wrong movie. It was just like I don't know. Christopher Nolan is is crossed over for me, where it's a, it's a little too pretentious, a little too about the theatrical, like dramatic effects and stuff. Like, where's the relationships? Where's the character development? Uh, you know, where's even the dialogue? Even it's, it's just so much. Like, you know, Inception I liked, and I know a lot of people like Inception like a lot. You know, for me, I just kind of liked it, but I started to kind of see hints of it then even. And with Tenant, it was just like not it just did not do anything for me at all it was i couldn't hear it you know <laughs> i mean the sound mix was horrible i mean you know so i agree with you 100 percent uh i admire christopher nolan's ambition i don't think anyone's making movies on the scale and just like the epic scale that he is right now so i respect him for that but with tenet it felt like he was um trolling the audience right People lobby these criticisms about Nolan films a lot, about the films feeling somewhat cold or detached. Yep. And uh, that's that may be the case for some of his films, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the films I disagree with that criticism. But with this, when when you when you name your character literally protagonist, <laughs> right. you've got to be yanking our chain. <laughs> right. At the end of the movie, again, not spoiling anything, but we're led to believe that two characters have this history together or are going to have a history together. And I'm like, well, gee, it would have been nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, we're told about it. Right. Every single line of dialogue in Tenet is expository and it's infuriating. Right. It becomes very it becomes very frustrating to watch. And when the movie is over two and a half hours long and you're investing this time, you want to at least feel something yep. other than numbness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was a big disappointment for me too. Yeah. That Going along with directors that disappointed me this year. Yeah, I know. Christopher Nolan's up there for yeah, sure. I know it's crazy. Uh, and then what was your biggest surprise of the year, man? What was one that you really didn't think was going to do anything for you? And it did. You have anything there? As far as films that I had expectations for, I'm not exactly sure, but I will say that uh, a film that came out of nowhere for me and is in my number two spot for top ten films of the year um, it, it is a film called The Vast of Night. Oh yeah, and this is one. an Amazon Prime Video original. But this movie blew me away, and I've talked to several people who aren't as crazy about it as I was, but the film hit me at a very specific point in the quarantine in the quarantine where I was just missing the experience of watching a movie in the theater and getting those goosebumps and the vast of night for the first time in months and maybe longer gave me that feeling watching it at home. Yeah. 
And for that reason, I, I just could not stop thinking about it all year. And it's this really clever throwback to kind of like Twilight Zone, Outer Limits films like th- that are in that 1950s, 1960s era of the UFO fear um, that that people had at the time. And what's great about the movie, and this might be a con for some people, but it was a pro for me, is that a lot of the film is almost more like a podcast or a radio show than right. it is a film. Right. Um, films are ultimately visual mediums. But for me, I found it so fascinating that a lot of the film is based entirely around audio. Right. There's literally moments in the film where the picture will fade out and it's just a black green and you're just hearing the audio of what's happening. And that makes you kind of lean forward and makes you really pay attention yeah. and makes you really invested and involved in the story and the drama. And I found that a, fa- a fascinating technique. And for me, I just literally could not stop thinking about and talking about The Vast of Night all year. Yeah, that's a great pick, actually. I, I actually really, really enjoyed that on your recommendation. I don't know if you recall, but you recommended that to me uh, in one of your film club oh, gr- groups, and I went and checked you. it out and loved it. <laughs> There's a, just by the way, one of the things I take away from that movie is the amazing tracking shot. The one the one tracking shot that goes through the gymnasium uh, towards the beginning of the film, which is... It's un- an all-timer. Uncanny, man. Uncanny. Uh, for me, the biggest surprise of the year, we already mentioned it was actually nominated for Best Action on, on the piece here, on the Golden Peas, was Unhinged with Russell Crowe. I'm thinking this is going to be just like a white trash, like, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was getting into. And Russell Crowe really dedicated himself to this role, man. But, I mean, he plays this guy who's going through a divorce who, the opening scene to this film, the first, like, two or three minutes of this film, what it opens on, and I don't want to give away anything, is really haunting. And it's shot really well, and it sets this movie up where you're like, oh, shit, okay, this guy's, this is what we're doing? And then it kind of, ta- but it tells you, like, how fragile he is as a character from the opening frame and kind of why it, you kind of sympathize with him, but he's such a barbar- barbaric character. And it turns into the story kind of of road rage. I don't know if you ever saw Spielberg's early film Duel where the uh, 18-wheeler is stalking the car. Do you know what I'm talking about? From the 70s? Uh, yeah, sure do. So sure, it's sure it, do. Yeah. it's basically that. Uh, it's that kind of story where he's just chasing this single mother around in his truck in L.A. and traffic and stuff. And he's bound to teach her a lesson for, you know, flipping him the bird or whatever happened in traffic. And, you know, he's obviously taking out his life's, the weight of his life kind of on her. And she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it just turns into this kind of psychological thriller uh, there's an amazing payoff at the end of the movie because there's a young kid in it that the mother's trying to protect, and you know he's doing his thing. There's it's brutal. I mean, there's there's some like some kill scenes in this movie, Brian. Like, I mean, it's like he does some shit in this movie, and there's some special effects in the movie without giving too much away that are really intense. And it, it's a very pulse pounding 90 minute watch that, frankly, I didn't think I was even gonna like. And I, I was like, when it was over, I was like, God damn, I really like that. That was really good. And Russell Crowe did a great job in it. So I think it's uh, available to rent if anybody wants to check out Unhinged. But Russell Crowe just hamming it up, man, in a fat suit. So what are you going to (laughs) do? You got to like it. Was he in a fat suit or is that just Russell Crowe nowadays? Yikes. It's not not Gladiator Russell Crowe. Well, that's great to hear. I know um, Epic Film Guy Justin was also a big, big fan of of Unhinged. I think I was a little bit put off by its marketing because – in the trailers and posters and on social media, it was like 
proudly proclaiming it as like the first movie to open in theaters since the pandemic. And at that point in the pandemic, I was like unsure about right. the ethics of that exactly. Right. But I think um, it always kind of wanted to tout itself as something a little dangerous, a little risky. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I've heard it's just, I've heard it's just brutal. It is. So it um, is. I, if, I, if I see Russell Crowe killing some dudes in, in a graphic fashion, then that sounds like my kind of movie. That's what you get, man. That's what you get. If you watch it, I'll just say diner scene. Just when you see him going to the diner, just make sure you perk up, okay? Keep, keep, <laughs> keep your eyes on the screen. Okay, will do. Um, the guys, I, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And thank you so much to, to those of you that voted and that shared it throughout the last few months. But this is our golden peas. You know, uh, Brian is an epic film guy and... He loves movies, obviously, works in a movie theater. I'm a big fan of film. I always have been. And we just, we're going to keep getting together at least once a year. And we'll put these ballads out and we'll give out these awards just really to honor cinema. And I know 2020 was a tough year for a lot of people, myself included. And it was, it was a tough year on movies and on movie theaters. It still is. I mean, they're still trying to recover from, from what's been happening. So anytime I can get together with great friends like Brian and just talk about movies, it's, it's a blast. And, I really appreciate everyone's support and, like I said, for voting for the Golden Peas this year. So, Brian, uh, tell them real quick, as if they don't know, for some reason, where they can find you and Justin at the Epic Film Guys, man. www.epicfilmguys.com is where you can find our podcast. You can listen to it on all platforms, Spotify, Podbean, etc., can also find us on social media at epic film guys on facebook twitter and instagram and if you want you can follow me on twitter at go loisos go yeah do that he's got all the hot takes over there and instagram as well if you care to same handle all right guys thank you so much all of our information is in the show notes as well and it'll be a year before we get back together and do this but we will be, we will be back next year with the golden peas it'll be the fifth annual next year the fifth year doing it Brian, thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it, as always. Thank you very much. 